Happy Wednesday, everybody. Sherm, crazy Asian, thank you for coming onto the station. If you're familiar with today is Wednesday, which means we're going to be talking about from Sherm Speaking Series, motivation. That's right. If you missed Monday, that was leadership. Yesterday, Tuesday was career progression. Thursday will be social media. And Friday, we'll hit it off with some personal development. So today, as I think about motivation, I think specifically about a conversation I had just last week with someone that I work with. And he'd asked me, you seem always really happy and excited just to be alive and he said why is that and i had to think about that and i I first said you know because we're alive man like this is a good thing like and 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 so i haven't had necessarily like a um a live or death you know near death experience kind of a situation um i did at 16 get into a bicycle accident like literally like i'm riding a bike um and I was with with uh, with a missionary at the time, and so I'm following him, and I'm, we're living in England at the time, and so what happens is we're late for an appointment, and so we're just booking down this hill, and um, they have speed bumps because it's right near a, a local park, and so I'm borrowing someone's um, old Schwinn, like 1960s bike, man, it's probably held together more with rust than it is actual metal um, at that point, so... Um, there's some, as we go over these speed bumps, I, I think to myself, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kind of bunny hop and that way I can kind of glide over this speed bump. And as I do that, the wheel comes off the front of the fork, the fork di- d- digs into the ground and I fly, um, and literally smash my face, roll over, um, a few times. And, um, what happened, um, is that I smashed five teeth. They got into my, my mouth, just totally cut it up. Um, and I had a bunch of scrapes on my hands and my entire side of the entire right side of my face was just totally like ripped off. Like if you were to have a piece of pizza and just take all the toppings off and just left with just the the dough and the, the marinara sauce, that's basically what my face looked like. Um, there's a nice image for you. The next time you have pizza, think of my messed up face. And, um, but luckily I didn't break any bones. So even though I had all these, you know, these scratches and marks and bruises on my hands and elbows, um, and I remember even like on my hip, um, I was lucky that the only thing that really broke was five shattered teeth into my, into my mouth. And so, um, one of the funny things is, um, in England, it's nine, nine, nine to call, to call for emergency. And the, the missionary that I was with, you know, in the heat of this, like, so I, I, I get up after that happened quickly. And I'm like, I fell, I fell. And, and like, it's as if like I was winded, I put my hands on my knees and I, you know, had my mouth kind of open and all of a sudden just the blood just started dropping, pulling right below me. Cause my mouth was just, you know, it's, it, it bleeds a lot and there's just a lot of saliva at that point. So, um, I'm like, I fell, I fell. And he comes over and he's like, Oh my gosh. And so he runs over to the neighbor and knocks on the door. He's like, call 911, call 911. And I remember thinking as he's doing that, dude, it's 999. You got to tell him the right thing. So um, I was 16 at the time. Um, and so, or excuse me, I was 15. I was going to be 16 like in a few, in, in like two months. So um, he's like, oh, lay down, lay down. And so I laid down uh, while the ambulance comes and gets me. And they're looking, <laughs> they're looking, uh, those, the patients of these people, uh, the paramedics were waiting they're, they're looking for like shards of teeth. They don't know if they can like grab them and graft them back in. They're not dentists, obviously. Uh, at the same time, I, I respect uh, what they're doing. At the same time, you know, England's not necessarily known for their oral, um, oral hygiene um, or, or, or fantastic looking teeth. And nor am I at this point now that I have five fake teeth and um, 
So um, I can say that with uh, not hopefully offending anybody. So then um, what happens here, I totally know I'm going to get a call on that one by, by Simon. Uh, <laughs> Simon says, learn about my t- comment about teeth and people in England. So I welcome that conversation. So after this bike accident, um, I remember laying there in the ER and thinking to myself, now whether I, you know, whether like this was like, you know, if, if you're a person of faith, whether this was like God, like trying me, what does he want from me? He wants me to be stronger. Now this was like the exact opposite. This is Satan telling me like to discourage me from being a good person then I was still going to be a good person, right? So I think that's how a lot of times I view struggles in life is what do I need to learn from this? How can I be better? And that's really what motivates me no matter what situation I find myself in. So what happened after that bicycle experience was probably one of the one of the biggest eye-openers for me. So what happened was, you know, countless like literally hours and hours, um, in, in the dental chair to be able to have, um, the four teeth, well, five teeth extracted, no, two teeth extracted and a couple root canals, um, all the work that was done temporarily. And then going back, uh, I think a month or two later to get the more permanent, um, teeth put in. And so in, in, in all that, the interesting thing about it is, um, because the deep, um, cuts that were on my face, you could you could readily see that there was something wrong with my face, that I looked different. The pigment was totally off. Like that would look like really pinkish skin. The other side was totally looking uh, normal. So what happened was, um, oh, a total positive note in this. I had a I had like a zit in my ear, and due to the um, like so it, what happened after when I was in the ER they 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 um, after probably like 10 hours, just because it was, I'm based on priority of severity of injury. And obviously mine wasn't that severe compared to what other people were dealing with at the time. And so, um, they, they basically knocked me out and then they basically then proceeded to then scrub my face and remove all the different dirt and stuff. So I had this zit in my ear. So it was kind of nice that they got rid of that. I remember waking up and being like, Oh, how fantastic. They got rid of that thing. It was really annoying. Um, so kudos to them. And so as, you know, for, for, so after like, you know, basically scrubbing my face, you could see like line marks from like the brush they were using. Um, and I don't know if that was to help healing. I'm not a doctor. Um, and so as my skin was healing, you could totally notice that something was up. Unfortunately, uh, and pretty common, um, is that just based on what, what happened to my body is I, I got, I got pneumonia, um, as well on top of this. And what was really odd is that my lips fused together. And so I literally only had like an opening on the right side of my mouth to get like a straw through. And I remember poor mom like blending up like chicken noodle soup and <laughs> me trying to suck it through a straw. Um, just the patience of this this lady. She's just amazing. So um, and that's just mom. So um, and then and then literally after like maybe 10 days, my lips like literally peeled off like a wrapper. It was the strangest thing in the world. Um, <laughs> it was really weird. Anyway, so um, in this recovery mode, I was so self-conscious about how other people perceive me. It was probably one of the last times I actually gave a crap about what other people thought. Um, and surprisingly, the, 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 the previous experience to that was when I was in sixth grade. Um, I want to say her name was Leslie. We were at a birthday party. 
and I got, we were playing keep away and I got tripped by the birthday girl and everybody laughs, you know, I'm on the ground and I remember calling her a bee. <laughs> I totally curse out the birthday girl. Dad's got it on video on the old school camcorder. She cries. I'm humiliated now that I did something so stupid. I start crying and go to the uh, side of the house. I'm pretty sure I ended up leaving that day. And that was one of the last times I really remember being embarrassed. But in this scenario of getting the bike accident, what actually happened, I was living in England at the time. Um, I changed school. So I was previously freshman, sophomore year going to a British school, wore a uniform, went, on, went to school on Saturdays, all that fun stuff. And then I um, ended up living at a boarding school down in uh, London uh, because it was an American style school. They had the American curriculum. So my freshman, sophomore year, I took GCSEs, if those of you are familiar with uh, the, the British system. And so I'm at this school and I don't know anybody. My roommate, it hasn't moved in yet. Um, my, my brother is my next door neighbor, but he's new too. So he doesn't know anybody. Um, the only person that we, we both collectively know is my brother's roommate named Rob, who's just an amazing human being who actually still lives in London. Um, after graduating from college, I ended up going there and has been there for almost, I think 12 or 14 years. Um, anyway, so what happens is, is I'm just super self-conscious. I don't know anybody. Um, I got this obvious look on my face that um, I there's something wrong with my face, and I'm totally self-conscious about it. And I remember um, distinctively sit, being in my dorm and going to myself, what am I going to do? This is crazy. This is horrible. What should I do to make friends? So what did I do to make friends? Now, this experience for me, I'm a person of faith. This drove me to prayer because I was literally beside myself. I had moved to a new school. I didn't have any friends, um, or I said that was the perception. I didn't have any friends. My roommate was, hadn't moved in yet, um, and actually wouldn't move in, and then I got a new roommate uh, from Japan. Um, and so I remember deciding to pray and say, you know what, I felt like I should come here to this school, and I'm not having any fun. I'm not having any friends. Uh, I need to have friends. And so for me, that's, that's how my faith works. For me, uh, I feel like if I pray, then, then I feel like I'll get answers and, and I'll get direction and I'll get some kind of semblance of normalcy. That's how I view prayer and faith. And so the answer that came to me distinctively, it wasn't this firestone of, um, you know, fire and brimstone kind of situation. But number one, there were first was peace. And the next one was, Stop worrying about yourself and start worrying about others. And so that was one of the first glimpses I had in my life personally on how to make friends. That I should stop worrying about my own needs and my own desires and start being more concerned about other people. And so that's what I decided to do the next, literally the next day. I, when I was sitting down for lunch, I would ask people how they're doing and really want to know and what they're about and want to know their story. And that's what, that, if, I, if, I, if I can reflect back in hindsight, that's probably one of the first things that started me being more concerned about um, hearing other people's stories in order to get to know people. Where I think prior to that, I still had this attitude that, yes, I was conscious that there were other people around and I wanted to make sure that they were happy. 
in order to make friends, I thought that if I was funny enough or I was outgoing enough, that they would just be attracted to me. So it was more like I decided to then go on the offense in a you know friendship role, and that's I'm gonna come at you and meet you and hear your story and ask questions about you, and I'm more interested in you, and then I don't care if I have friends or not. And that and that really that attitude has taken me from that you know, 16 year old kid to definitely the crazy Asian in college and now to where I'm at in my role right now where I literally meet new people on a regular basis and I absolutely love it. I, I'll go and introduce myself. My favorite line is, hi, I'm Sherman, what's your name? Boom, it's straight to the point and I don't know you. Tell me your story. What do you do here? How long have you worked here? Tell me about yourself. I love to hear that story. And so that experience was a springboard to me in becoming more outgoing and not being self-centered in order to meet new people. And I, I hope that, so, so this experience for me, again, like I told you before, it was not life or death. This was not looking, you know, looking death in the face and saying, hey, I embrace every day. It was, though, for me, if I stopped worrying about my own needs and focus on the needs of others, that's how I could find happiness And from a standpoint of having friends. And I have this attitude still today. I'm honestly more concerned about how you're doing and what you're going through. And if I could be of any kind of resource or any kind of sounding board to you, that's what I want to do. If you were to go on my Calendly, you would see that there's, yeah, there's a business meeting if you want to have a, a, an hour conversation with me. There is a, and again, there's no cost to you just because I love helping people. Uh, the other one is a 45-minute podcast. Again, it's about your story, not mine. You don't, I don't need to, I don't need to tell my story. You're already kind of hearing it right now through the podcast. The next one is there's literally a 15 minute positive vibe call that if you want to get on, it's just all about you. And then finally, there's a 30, 30 minute uh, a call that could just be a check in and hey, you just want to talk, talk. And that's the way that I view my relationships with you and people with on, off, on face to face is I want to be able to help you win. So the bike accident was my springboard to be more concerned about others and their well-being. And I knew that when I was more concerned about others, good things would happen. And so that's really where I end up having my context for life really over the last you know, 20, 22 years since that experience. Yes, I'm 38 years old. I know that might lose some of you. I might gain a few too. So the idea is that I, why, to answer this person's question, why am I always happy? Number one is that's rooted in the idea that I love life. I want to get to know other human beings. I want to know what goes on in your mind and how your life is. And most importantly, as I think about why my happiness is, is a lot of that's rooted for me based on my faith. And I know for some people, they don't have that. They don't have that. that does, that's not what drives them. That's not what gives them peace of mind. For me, it does. And it, it allows me then to have the right perspective because I'm a, I'm a believer that I'm a spiritual being having an earthly experience, not a 
mortal person just kind of having a good time. So I'm more focused on things that are more lasting than the, than the finite. I care more about my legacy to my family and to others than I am about the stuff that I can accumulate or the stuff that I've got because all that is going to wither away and rust and rot, right? A house rots away, a car rusts away. All these tangible things eventually go away. Now, somebody might be sarcastic and say, well, diamonds last forever. Okay, well, fair enough point. But they, you can't take them. There's no pockets on a hearse. <laughs> they're not getting buried with you. And if they are, there's, they're no good to you. I think the pharaohs of Egypt proved that point when they built these lavish pyramids to be able to keep anything out and to, of course, hopefully grant them into the next life. And we realize that once they're dead, they're dead. And almost immediately, those pyramids were pillaged and robbed from. That's what happens when you bury jewelry or high-end things with you. There's no value to it. In life, you're going to find greater satisfaction chasing things that have long-term value, almost like eternal principles, if you will. So it's going to be more important, in my opinion, to be someone that has character, that has compassion, that has love and a desire to help others than having a Ferrari Testarossa. I think it's going to be more important for a person to be giving and compassionate than to have the nicest house in the block. I think it's going to be more important for us to have characteristics like perseverance and stamina and willpower and motivation and inspiration and all these other characteristics that we can build as a human being than all those other things that we, we can ac accomplish in life. Now, I'm not saying that you should not have a per pursuit towards some of those things because I think it's in the pursuit of those things that we find greater character, that you find depth of character, that you find the the qualities uh, and the principles and the values that you're looking to develop. However, don't put all the stock on those things that will go away. Value all the things that you're becoming. That's why I think so many people talk about the process is far more important than the results. And the process, the habits that you're building is the character, the person who you are. When it comes to exercise, that's why I'm more focused on chopping wood, carrying water. I'm more focused on my exercising, what I'm doing and what I'm consuming than I am the result of, do I, do I weigh this much? Do I fit into these pair of pants? How do things fit? Because for me, having a healthy life is a lifelong pursuit. It's not just going to happen here for the next year or six months. It's going to happen for the rest of my life. And I want it to be as healthy as possible. And despite that, all those good things that I'm going to be looking at doing, I know that there will be some different difficulties as my body changes as I age. There's going to be different things that I'm going to have to adjust as time goes on. And that's really where motivation can be handy for you is as you're going through different stages in your life is having the right perspective that you're building character of who you want to become. Sherm's out. So I give that story to you as motivation in the context that our perspective as we go throughout life can truly 
help us and understanding how you view the world can truly help you grab perspective. So it reminds me, if you've read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it's not one of the habits, but he talks about having a paradigm shift. And that's exactly where motivation comes from for me, is that because I am someone of faith, I do have somewhat of a faith-based paradigm. So I do view the world in a little bit of morality, right? There's a right and wrong to things. The difference is, is that I understand that you could have a totally different paradigm and the way that you view it is based on money. And so it's important for you to be able to have things and not have things. And that is, there's nothing wrong with that. That's your paradigm. And I know that if I engage with you, you're going to be more concerned about that as an attribute of success and also, unfortunately, a failure. However, you might understand that um, out of out of the ashes of life can come the greatest of phoenixes. And so that's exactly how many of us can be, uh, depending on where we are in our lives. Some other paradigm shifts are family-based. So people that are typically that are family-based are very focused on a work-life balance. They don't have a lot of hobbies outside of work because they're focused on doing family hobbies. Other people are, the paradigm shift is career driven. So they're more concerned about title and uh, accomplishments in the workplace. And so in all this thought process, the moment that you can understand and identify what your paradigm shift is, First, I guess, first before you shift it is know what your paradigm is. How are you viewing the world? And the other way is are you judging people based on your paradigm and not the reality of what is? So just because you and I might have specific views towards life doesn't mean that that's the right way to view life. When we can be open-minded, we're saying that we are open to the idea that other people view the world in a much different way and that their vantage point isn't right nor is it wrong. It's just how they decide to view the world. And I want to be able to make sure that as I engage with people, I allow them the freedom to allow their paradigms to be heard and not convince them to the point that mine is. I want to maybe persuade them just to see my perspective. They don't have to come on board and believe and see the world the way that I see it. I know that each of us are going to be going through different things in our lives and we're going to struggle with some things that are going to be tough. And it could be from the things that we wanted. So for example, you might have wanted to get married and you realize that, you know what? Marriage can be difficult at times in seeing something from another person's perspective. I think for me, the greatest struggle in marriage is going from the pronoun of I to the pronoun of we. Although you are two separate individuals, you need to be moving lock and step together throughout the rest of your life. And so it's unshackling some of those things that are all about me and going more to an attitude of we. I think about the person that wanted that new promotion or wanted to start their own business and they realize that the responsibilities that they're up against are far more difficult than they imagined. And that's okay. It's 
good to be pressed and stressed in a good way. It's the one that gets you up out of bed and decides to make you, get, makes you um, make those phone calls and make yourself uncomfortable to be better. It's also when we decided that we want to go back to school or go to school, realize that some of those courses are tougher than we first imagined. That's going to require us to not longer just check in. We got to be able to engage on a study. We got to be able to maybe studying. Uh, we, might, we might have to engage with others to be able to know well, how does this really work out for me? What do I need to be doing in order to be a better version of myself? And it's through this concept of changing our paradigm that we start motivating ourselves. We start getting ourselves to the right frame of mind. That, my friends, is how you're motivated from within. Sherm's out. So let me connect the dots on this thought process of how this relates to motivation and really just kind of round it out. So the reason why I started out with this bike accident is that it changed my perspective on how I engage with people from building friends. So instead of me being concerned about who I was friends with and building friendships, I focused on them. I focused on other people and their needs and their wants. And that gave me great uh, perspective. And so now as I engage, you know, I go to different networking events, as I get, go to different companies, as I go to different opportunities where I have the, a chance to meet new people, that's what I focus on is them and what they need and what's on their mind and how I can help them. And as I'm focused on others, I find myself making those friends and making those connections and, and hearing the stories of what's important to them. And it's that attitude of going outwards that I end up finding myself surrounded by many friends and many, many acquaintances. So as you think about what you want in your life, again, back to motivation, what specifically are you hoping to grab in this life? What are you after? And the way to be able to stay motivated towards that goal, despite the struggles that you're having, is to have a look at your mindset. Is it strong enough? Have you pushed against the opposition long enough and with enough power to put it out there that you will succeed? That failure is not the option. That only good things are what you are going to accomplish and that is what you are pursuing. Too many times, people buckle under the stress of life. Not to mean that those stresses are not difficult. They are. And nor are they meant to say that you're weak if you do buckle. They're meant to put down an amazing amount of weight upon you in order for you to come out stronger than what you are without that struggle. So for example, if you find yourself going through divorce, the what you should take away from it is, how can I be a better spouse going forward, right? So if I ever get in a relationship again, you're probably not thinking you ever want to again, what can you be doing better? from a relationship perspective, how can you be a better friend? How can you be a better boyfriend? How can you be a better girlfriend? How can you be a better relationship person? In a divorce as well, how can you be a better parent than what you currently are doing right now? If you're going through financial difficulty, 
what should you be learning right now about finance? What should you be learning about money? Do you need to be budgeting? Do you need to be saving? Do you need to be talking with people? Do you need to be having a look at what you actually want? What's of value to you? I know that a lot of you have your confidence based on the, the, the balance that's in your bank account. And I know that's tough to be able to handle. That's all in the past, right? You're paid probably based on what you did two weeks or four weeks prior. That's not a direct relationship of who you are. It's only dictating what you've done in the past, how many hours you worked in the past, what projects you accomplished in the past, what you do right now. That's what will be your income in the future. So if you decide that you're going to go set up an online business, you're going to go sell, you know, sell, you know, maybe have a garage sale and sell a bunch of junk. That, my friends, is how you start getting out of your current financial predicament. It's in these different situations that you look at yourself. Um, it's a bit of that insanity ad attitude. Um, if you're going to constantly do the same thing over and over and expect a different result, that's insanity, right? Like, you keep turning the doorknob and it won't open. You keep turning the doorknob, it won't open. You keep turning the doorknob, it won't open. By you continually turning that doorknob and it doesn't open, guess what? That's insanity. Now, trying to get a key to go in there and, and unlock it, yes. Trying to go through the back door, breaking a window. Again, all these different things that you're doing will lead to a different result. And how does that translate to your life right now from a motivational perspective? If you have aspirations, if you have pursuits, then now go after them. Don't put it off. Don't go to planning. Don't go back to school. Do what you need to do in order to be successful. Stop putting off today, tomorrow what should be done today. Sherm's out. Yo, Sherm, KT, your man here. Focusing on understanding the wind is huge. So one thing I would do, sorry for the low tone, but I'm in the hallway. <laughs> the one thing I would do to make friends, and this is something I've come accustomed to with the, the Anchor friends out here, the Anchor family, is getting the connect and just trying to engage. Be the engager. Make the first move. Don't be afraid. Have no fear that friends will come to you. They'll come. You make the move. You be respectful. You be polite. They'll have friends knocking on your door. Be KT and the incarnation. Sure, I'm the crazy agent here. Thank you so much for that. Be the engager. Love that uh, that comment. That's exactly what you need to do. If you go on the offensive to help others, surprisingly, they'll help you win. Sherm's out.